You're listening to Unmotivated and Unprepared, a podcast where we take a break from the everyday hustle and bustle to muse about life, liberty, and the pursuit of randomness. Now here's Greg and Ross. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 14 of Unmotivated and Unprepared. It's Ross. And it's Greg. And Greg, we're back. Happy New Year, Greg. It is the year 2023, and we're we're about a weekend, and so we're going to talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions today, or or lack thereof, I guess, depending on your personality and who you are. But um, (laughs) we'll start. What... Do you have some resolutions or is my uh, mindfulness stuff that tells me not resolutions, but intentions for this year, Greg? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, definitely have, have intentions. I think at, at point, right. So in 2022, I turned 40 and I began to realize at that point that, you know, you really do need, you know, the timing thing. There's never a good time to start something. You just, just start it and do it. And then it's about keeping with it. And you know, accountability partners are a big part of that. Uh, I learned that three years ago with the gym, but it's it's one of those things where if you're going to do something, it really is an intention, and it's reminding everyone else that that's my intention, so that you you can keep it going, right? So, what do you yeah, got on yeah, yours? Sure. What do you, what? I, I mean, we can talk about mine, but what do you got on yours as a list of intentions? Oh man, so I, so from a so so we can bore people right off the bat from a work perspective, I'm going to try, <coughs> I'm trying to be more like mindful and in the moment at work, but then completely not in the moment when I'm off of work. Cause my brain, I'm, I'm a problem solver. So my brain keeps running. So I'll log off of work and you know, this, like I'll be thinking about work stuff, you know, in the past where this all started. And the reason we'd be eating breakfast, like Ross, we're trying to eat breakfast. Quit talking about work. We're not, we're not at work yet. So trying to disconnect, but a a former leader of mine told me, you know, he, he said when, and I've, I've told this to a lot of my people because I truly believe it. When you're at work, I want you to give everything you can and your best at work. When you're not at work, I want you to give me nothing towards work. In other words, spend time doing the things you enjoy and the hobbies and being in those moments. And then when you're at work, be at work and do those things. So I'm going to really try to focus on that. How I'm going to accomplish that, I don't know. But my intention and what I'm telling people is you can still get a hold of me after work. I'm in a career in a position where you need to get a hold of me. I have my ways. But otherwise, I'm not going to be incessantly checking things and responding to emails and everything else when I'm not at work. So that's that's one thing I'm going to work on from a work perspective. So, so let's, I mean, let's, Think about that for a second. Is it anxious thoughts? Is it that it's anxious thoughts or is it just the idea that it, it, it clouds some of your mind that you could be offering to being present? It's, it's clouding it's, that ability to be present. It's, it's a little bit of both, but it's, it definitely starts with the anxious thoughts because I, I want to, I want to try to solve it. And we know this work never ends. There's no solving you don't say I solved work. There's always going to be something else, right? What works the rubber ball. It's going to bounce right back up at you and it'll be there the next day. So for me, it's getting my mindset to, you're not going to solve this right now. You know, it, yeah. it'll, it'll be there. Or it'll if be ever there in so some cases. Me, if, yeah, that's true. If ever. So to me, it starts with the anxious thoughts. And then the side effect of that 
as I'm sitting there trying to have dinner and I'm thinking, or all of a sudden I bring up a work thing and my wife goes, oh my God, all you talk about is work. And that's where it hits me like, oh man. Like I gotta. I well, gotta in fairness, it. in fairness, I think there's. I, let's let's. We don't need to get into a gender study here and talk about diversity and blah blah blah. But there is some. I mean, personalities do play into this, right? So you. So a lot of work is your identity, as it is mine. All right, your job defines a lot. We were raised that way. I think it, you know, sons who have, you know, my father. Yep ingrain that in me that your job is your identity it, it defines a lot of what you do which i think is bad bad study by the way i don't think your job does define you but there's an element of i provide for my family through this way i do this stuff i've got to be good at my job because this is important and i don't think your uh wife being that i'm uh, you know very close to 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 knowing who she is work is just a thing that you do because if she could she would probably not work and do something else um, oh yeah, she. Yeah, but she, she hasn't figured out what the, the other thing ex- is. Yeah, she would explore the world and everything else. Yeah, and and I and I think it's you're you're right. Like same thing with my my parents taught me that work wasn't work wasn't everything, but work is what you did to support your family, as you said, and how you you know to respect the money you earned while you worked and everything else, because that's that's how you you know, your means, your means of living. And I think that's the, that's the delicate balance between it consuming you, but it's still being important enough. You do it. And, and, and you and I know as well, like my wife will do an excellent job at what she does, but she has no worries with when it comes to disconnecting, because that's, that's not how she's wired. She's going to get the job done. She's going to do a good job at it and then disconnect. And I'm jealous. I'm totally jealous of it. It's like, how do you do that? Well, she gets her validation from other things. And I think that's that's the part that when you look at your job, look, men in general, the first thing you'll talk about when you meet somebody, and I try really hard not to have that conversation, but the first time you meet anybody, they tell you what their job is. And if someone doesn't tell you what their job is in the first like three or four sentences of what they do, then you're confused on who is this person who didn't... De- like, at least you go, hey, I'm retired, or hey, I work in banking. You may not get into detail about what you do, but you'll at least say, hey, I do this, or I'm in this field, or I'm in this industry, or so on and so forth. And we really should get out of that. We should get to the point of, yeah, like I'm a father. That I'm not. I'm not a father. I'm not even married. But like it, it, those, I don't have kids. But those are the things that like at least say, hey, I'm these things, not necessarily my job. But it is such a part of our society that your job is who you are. So it's not a surprise that you put quite a bit of your, your thought processes around your job. However, mm-hmm. to talk about intention, because the reason why I asked the anxious thought thing is that maybe it's less about being intentional about when you think about work and not think about work and more around, hey, how do I create tools and strategies for reducing my anxious thought process? Yeah, yeah. When, when it does come up and I am thinking about it, how do I, how do I manage that and how do I limit, how do I limit getting spun up about it? you know, which is, which is the mindfulness, which one of my resolutions outside of work even is just doing more mindfulness, more meditation. I I told, I told my wife, I think I'm going to get, I think I'm going to get a pillow to sit on. She's like, wait, what? I'm like, for my meditation. She's like, that's fine. That's fine, honey. Go, go for it. Like if if that, if that's going to help you appropriations committee approved, you know, like that's, that's sure. I mean, I laugh because there's a Stephen Wright joke, right? Where Stephen Wright was talking about how like he was, 
he worked at a health food store and he's like, yeah, I was really into this girl once and she was uh, really into doing a meditation and uh, it didn't work because uh, I was really into being alive and she wasn't. Right. And I, <laughs> I think there's an element there to say, yeah, I, I think, but I think meditation th thoughtfulness as you grow older, when you're younger, you're so quick to make decisions because you think life is infinite and you're immortal and you know, whatever decision I make isn't going to have a huge long impact on my long term because I can always get out of things. At the same time, that same decision process leads us to say things like, well, I'll travel when I'm older or I'll do this when I'm older. Or, I'll do this when I. So I think there's a balance of decision making. We learn very quickly that whatever decision we make isn't permanent. But at the same time, also, we have to we need to make move forward and make decisions. So it's a, that balancing act is what I like about being older from when I was younger and so full of like yes. that, you know. And yeah, passion, the ridiculousness. Yeah, the maturity. Yeah, the maturity does help you almost prioritize and and think through like um, those situations. Versus when you're young, it's like, yeah, whatever, cool, I'll do this, I'll do that. Even though I was a, I was really boring in my twenties, um, so I've I'm probably more I'm probably more interesting and like kind of spur of the moment now also as a product of my friend group and my spouse than I was in my twenties. But that's, that's, for, for that's sure. almost a, that's, that's another thing that we could dig into, which is an interesting of how you, how your mindset changes. But so that's one thing. The other thing, and I'm, cause I want to ask you, cause I know you've, you've got one, a, a, a life skill, I guess it would be that you're working on or a skill. And cause I, cause I've got a skill question for you when we get into this, I don't really, I'm trying to think of a skill that I want to learn or something I want to do, you know, upgrade the software, if you will, right. uh, the, the yep. mental software. But what, what, what's yours? You've got, you've got a skill you're learning, right? right. Already. Well, yeah. So it, it's really interesting. I, 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 I'm a big believer that productivity leads to positivity. When I think we spin and we sit and we don't do something. So last year, right? Last year I was getting my doctorate and for really three years, it consumed my life, this doctorate program. It was everything I thought about back of my mind, at least half my brain was always consumed with the idea that I was doing this program. I was doing this program and, and at the same time focused on writing a dissertation, getting data and doing the analysis and all these things. And, and it was a constantly in the back of my mind. I was never free from uh, that thought. So it, mm -hmm. it limited my ability to want to go out and do things because I always had that there. And then, and the nice part about it was it reduced my procrastination because if somebody put on my calendar, Hey, in two weeks, we're going to do this. I'd be like, Oh crap. I better go learn. I better go work on my dissertation so that I'm ready in two weeks when I have the, I won't have that weekend available yeah. for me. Yeah. It's setting up, was, it's setting up other deadlines, artificial deadlines for you. And that was great. But then the, the, the back half of the last six, the six months of 23, after I, finished my doctorate and I'd gotten over that and just nice to have my life back. It was really interesting because now all of my life was consumed by my job. It was consumed by the people that I work with and the relationships that I deal with. And I, and I went, wow, I'm, I'm now all consumed by something that should not consume that much of my life. It is, it is mm -hmm. obviously your job is 60 hours a week. You are spending a lot of time there, but it shouldn't be the only thing you're looking forward to. And I decided Actually, I was on this cruise, you know, we talked about it on our travel trip of Palooza and I was, I got to meet people that spoke 
multiple languages that worked on the cruise. And I remember joking that at one point, like, cause my job is what my job is. There was a moment where I was like, I would love to be a cruise director. I think I'd be way more better, but way better at that than this data analytics gig I do. Uh, but, but I thought about it. What's one thing that would put me towards the, you know, the excitement that I'm finding with these people, what am I impressed by? And I was impressed by the ability for them to speak multiple languages. And for some reason, uh, and, and true to form of my personality, and I was going to learn Indonesian because I'm really into Indonesian music and I really was going to learn is, Indonesian. Ladies and gentlemen, he is really building up which language, like get yeah. ready for it. I was really wanting to learn Indonesian and I thought that's, that's what I'm going to learn. And then all of a sudden something happened and I went, yeah, Portuguese sounds fun. Let's do that. <laughs> and Portuguese. Yeah. I had never had like, and you would think I would learn Spanish because I would learn Spanish, but I think there was something in me that just went, really fun to learn a language of brazil it's a large country in south america they have an interesting economy and it would be fun to you know who knows what that will lead to uh and then everybody looked at me and went wait brazil we thought you were thinking about portuguese like as in portugal as in going to europe i'm like eh, i've done europe like now i'm interested in learning a language and then again still comes back to why not spanish greg why not spanish and i don't have an answer for you i just think it would be fun to learn portuguese well, you I mean, you know, you want to go to, uh, if you want to go to Brazil and party it up, Portuguese is your language. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm looking at, partying. Well, but the crazy part is if you learn in these things, which is, which is so much fun to learn on these apps, and I've got books now, and I'm looking at classes in Charlotte to actually do it in person. But the other day I was learning phrases, and the one, I, you, know, the one that you keep doing over and over is, Eo teno umamasa, which is I have an apple. Eo teno, it means I have an umamasa is an apple. I'm like, when would I ever need to tell someone that I have an apple? But but even worse, they teach you this. Nos nos falamos italiano, which means we only speak a little Italian. And I went, when will I ever need to say we speak only a little Italian? Like when you have that... to actually you actually have to learn a little bit of another language just to use that phrase. Just to use that like, phrase. Like when would I need to know yeah. that? So yeah, that's why I never say yeah. I speak un poquito espanol. Like uh, <laughs> yeah. no. Like I don't know. I don't even speak a little bit. That's literally the only thing I could speak in Spanish. And it's probably yeah. even not done correctly. And what's what's oh, fun about funny. it though is it's it's a the 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 sounds of Portuguese are a lot more swallowing your words. You kind of like you hear nosh, like you you swallow it, right? Um in some words, like um poco, right? Un poco, like it sounds like Spanish, but then you'll say things like uh, oh, what's an, I, I can't think of anything right now, but a lot of the words are, oh, repetir. Repetir is repeat. And it's like, it's you ch, that ch sound is interesting. But either way, my mm. intention is to actually, and I'm focused on it and putting a plan together of how I want to approach this because it, they say it takes about 600 hours to begin level one fluent in Portuguese, which is enough to do business um, with the Foreign Institute you know, the, the government, the federal government for translators, level one is mm -hmm. proficient enough to do business, business language. Level two, obviously, is that you're a fully fluent citizen of the country. Sure, sure. So, well, once you, I mean, once you learn that, you've got uh, in the, as we enter the Ross Reads Wikipedia portion of the podcast, you've got Brazil, Angola, Portugal, all is where that's the uh, majority is the home language or, or, or native language. So, Take a trip to Angola. So we're going to well. Angola. We're going to Angola. Well, That's what we're going to do. 
if if I'm going to go to Angola, I know who I'm going to call upon to be my translator <laughs> in a year. That's for sure. So trips with Greg part two, London first, then Angola. And when people ask why, say, well, Greg knew Portuguese. So yeah, why there you not? Go. We're, go, we're going to Angola. And I learned a little bit of Italian so he could tell people <laughs> that I only speak a little Italian. <laughs> they start speaking so to you in Italian all of a sudden. <laughs> That's what you need to do. You just have to go anywhere you go now. You have to bring someone who knows a little bit of Italian so, so you can say they only know a little bit of Italian and Portuguese. So you cannot, so you're not lying to people. Yeah. Uh, well, well, another language is good. I did the, you know, I did the Duolingo thing. Um, and I, I'm, I'm always fascinated by when you talk about New Year's resolutions and people just jump into it full force that, and I'm sure that's the case. Like you see it with gyms and everything else. The advertising ramps up. You know, you got the kick up on January right. 1st of all the people in the gym, all the apps giving you, you know, hey, free trial, 30 days, 60 days on Duolingo and everything. So I'm I'm always fascinated by that. But I always wonder, is it, you know, the the psychology of people stopping, you know, their New Year's resolutions and how long it takes to stop and why you know, why people stop so quickly and why they can't keep going. And, and I don't, I think it's, I don't know if it's a, I don't think it's a willpower thing. I just think it's people try to go all in and don't try to ease into it just like anything else. Uh, I, I mean, partly, I think you're probably right. It, I think a lot of it too is they don't, they don't build a lifestyle change. I mean, we know this with gyms, right? And this is what happened with me, right? When you guys got me to, you know, you and your wife got me to start working out at the gym. I didn't know it was going to be a, a lifetime learning thing. I didn't know it was going to be a whole change in my lifestyle where I actually go to gyms. On, I, w- I was at, at foundations class today, learning how to stretch out my back and, and moving muscles. And, uh, but what I did was I realized that the only way that you were going to get me to actually change my lifestyle was you're going to have to incentivize me with people. You're going to have to incentivize me to be around. I won't do it myself. I, the vanity thing is yeah. not important to me. I'm not looking no, you to need get the, You need the accountability buddy, but you need the buddy part more than anything. Like that's, that's right. what motivates you. Yeah. And so for me, it's it's going. And, and even today at the class, there was people that are at my gym that I go to here in Charlotte were actually at the class too. Now, I didn't help that my friend is the teacher of the class. They also goes to the gym with me. So it kind of fit it. But but it was that joy of seeing people you know, being around people you know. It builds that that sense of reward. It's a reward thing. The same thing yes. with looking at why I'm learning Portuguese. It's there are incentives there uh, because potentially, hey, what maybe in the future I want to get a job in Brazil, or maybe it's hey, it's going to help me if I want to learn Spanish too later. If that's the if that's the goal is to learn multiple languages. Uh, there are there are opportunities in which I can find to make that a valuable lesson, but it's also something that's challenging because I don't have a reference point for it, and it's a class that's taught locally. The other thing about Indonesian was I didn't want to do it without tutors, and there aren't classes locally to learn Indonesian, so it was one of those things where, well, that's great, but also I just want to know the lyrics and what they mean, and I got closed captions on YouTube, which helps me out just fine. I'm not really looking at like, oh, moving yes, to Indonesian. Greg, the movie buff. Yes. Yeah. So, enough. although I did watch Super Bad in Portuguese yesterday, which was really interesting to watch an English movie dub like that's actually dubbed in Portuguese with the English subtitles on. And the things you learn in Portuguese are not things you, like that movie is not words you should learn 
to no, have a no, conversation. No, not, yeah, yeah, there's not, that's not, that's not what you're going to use to navigate around Portugal or in a business context. <laughs> hey, can you, yeah. Hey, Greg, can you go close this deal? I only know words from super bad. Is that going to work? Nope. Not going to work. Uh, although the oh, constellation is that McLovin is still McLovin in Portuguese. Oh, well, that's good. So McLovin is universal. Yeah, that's, that's good universal. to know. National treasure, universal but, treasure. But yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, to go back to your point, is it a is it a is it that they go all in, they jump in, and then get burnt out? I think it's really that they didn't do they didn't sit down and make the lifestyle changes that are associated to it. You have to actually put in there and say, "I want to do these things. This is the reason I want to do them." And there's a book called you know Change Changing Everything, which talks about building that daily habit. You have to actually be invested in it. And I think most people approach New Year's resolutions is I would like to be skinnier or I'd like to be healthier. I'd like to be, yeah, I'd like to be a lot of things. Like Mark Manson says in that book, The Subtle Art of, yeah, I'd like to be a rock star, but not to, because I want to write music, just because I want to be I get all my adoration from fans. What is yes. the reason that you want this? And then where can you get those things from? And it may not be working out. It may not be learning a language. It may be something else, but that's probably the better exercise for the new year than focusing strictly on uh, some outcome or output you want to have. Yeah, and and I think there's also I think there's also a debit and credit to it as well. In other words, if you take on some sort of new activity, I feel like there's something else has to stop or pause. Right, whether it's the negative thing that you were doing, I I don't know. I like I feel like everybody's lives are so full. Like I committed that I was going to one of the other things, I'm going to start reading a little more fiction because I'm a bit of a right. a bit of a self-help and non-fiction dork and I'm like, "Hey, you know, I want to take some time to read some fiction books." Well, if I'm going to sit down and read fiction, what's going to give? Like what am I going to stop doing? What's the, you know, there, there, there's a it's it, you've got to balance out the 24 hours in the day. And I think some people also want to get healthier or want to get adoration from fans and newsflash, just start a podcast. Am I right, Greg? Come on. <laughs> Our 20 right? people who sign up every oh, other week to listen to us. Right? Love us. Anyway, <laughs> but, you know, okay. I want to be healthier. Okay. Something has to be taken out of the mix in order for you to do that. Not saying eat less bad food, but maybe you want to make more salads or you want to meal prep. Like you, you have to balance your time because I think most and maybe I'm wrong. Mo I figure most resolutions say take some level of time commitment. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just crazy thinking that, but I also think that's why some people give up is because they're not willing to give up the rest of their lifestyle or anything else in order to do this new thing. So they just kind of jam it in. Well, that's why it's motivation based, right? It has, you have to actually ask yourself what it's going to look like and spend that time. One of the things that, that I, I've been trying to do more of is journaling and trying to think about my thoughts overall. Why am I doing this? Yes, it would be really cool to be able to speak every language in the world. Yes, it would be really cool to make a movie. Yes, it'd be really cool to go back to writing music like I did when I was younger. But the motivation for why I was doing music when I was younger, I didn't realize I was going to make money doing that. The only reason I was yeah. making music was to hang out with my buddy. That's the only reason I was doing it. So for me... This Portuguese learning on an app thing and like getting the books is only going to take me so far. Then going to a classroom is going to yes. get me people to do it with. And that's my motivation is that I'm going to have people to do this with and find places in which to use this language. 
and who knows where the future will be. Yes. Yes. So, so it's, it's the motivation thing. And I think that's, I think that's important. I, I think that's what a lot of people miss is the motivation. So accountability, the motivation, um, you know, to your point, sitting down and understanding what is it I'm really going to get out of this? Like what's, what's the quality of life improvement or what's the opportunity that I'm going to get by doing this resolution? So, um, and I think, and I just want to add one other thing. It's also boundaries. Yeah, yeah. I think, you uh-huh. know, be, in my life now being single, it's a little easier to, cause it's just me really. I mean, and it's just easier when you don't have someone living in your house or don't have any, whatever you're, you're kind of in a position where you can set boundaries, but as adults, it gets harder to set boundaries. If you've got kids, it's harder to set boundaries. If you have a, of us have a spouse, a partner, it, it becomes more difficult. And that's where I think people fall on their new year's resolutions as well is they didn't have that conversation with the other people that are accountable in their life that says, Hey, these are the things I want to do. And I need you to help me with those and make, and, and make those part of my journey. And I mean, we talked about accountability, but it's, but it's that other part. People just go, they wake up on new year's and be like, yeah, I'm going to get healthy. And then the hard part is there's a joke. There's a game called man rules uh, or man laws, women rules. And one of the questions, it's a game where you try to guess whether the speaker, you know, which one are they going to do? It's kind of like, uh, what's that card game? The humanity, Cards Against Humanity, where you have to cards guess what the, other, what the other person's going to, what the other person is going to pick. But this one is, the, the, the question was, your spouse says they want to lose weight. And you come home and you find them in the closet eating a Snickers bar. Do you A, close the door and walk away? Do you B, rip the candy bar from their hand and hand them a carrot? Or do C, do you have a conversation and chastise them about their choices and decision-making skills, right? And the answer that most men will make is I close the door and walk away and just ignore that that just happened. But I think what's interesting about that is that, yes, while that's a completely safety mechanism, when you look at partnership, hopefully the person calls you and says, hey, I really want to eat the Snickers bar right now. And you talk them off the ledge, not you come home and find them in the closet eating a Snickers bar. So Yes. Those are the things that I look at when you look at spousal relationships or partnerships or you know, kids, different things. You have to make that time. And it's not that you don't have it. There's plenty based on Netflix stats and Hulu stats and all those stats about what people are actually watching four hours a day. Watch TV. We have plenty of time to do other things. It's just whether or not you want to do them. It is not fun. Like I said, I watched super bad in Portuguese. It's not exactly the easiest thing to sit down and be like, you know what? I'm going to put this movie on in Portuguese because I had to go through my Blu-ray collection of movies that have Portuguese. And so see that what was had the, Portuguese. That was, I was that, just about that, to ask you. That, yeah. Greg's, Greg's large Blu-ray collection just came in handy. Yes. Yeah. So I had to find one that had the Portuguese language. And so it's not the easiest thing to sit down. It's not easy to sit down. You got to put your phone away. Now you got to watch this movie you're very familiar with. Listen to it in Portuguese. And it's, it's, it's homework. But it's something that's moving the needle forward, and it's and that's that's that has to be the joy of the exercise. Yes, yes. Again, I, I wouldn't agree. pick well, super bad as your number one. No, I'll have to look and look at my Lord of the Rings extended edition Blu-rays and see if uh, you want to hear about Frodo and his travels in Portuguese. I'm sure Peter Jackson's like picks Portuguese as one. I mean, it's it's a classic classic set of films so i'll look and see i'll ship them to you um you know if they, <laughs> they've got portuguese huh? now that's all i'm going to be looking for is like i'm going to look at deals on blu-rays and be like oh doesn't have portuguese doesn't have portuguese like yeah so so we're, we're we're getting close to our 30 minute mark and i think we've got some good ones here i wanted to ask you a question it's been on my mind it's been on my notes that i've written down random 
you know, jotting down of notes of, I got to talk to Greg about this. And this, this applies here. I was, when we were, I mentioned this, when we were in Salzburg, we went to a concert, the uh, Mozart concert and everything else. And I see these people playing uh, violin and everything else very well. And I turned to my wife and I said, do you think that's a 2% skill? And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, okay, let me qualify. I just made that up. It's a skill that if you're in a large room and somebody's doing it, that 2% or less of the people in that room have that level of skill at that thing, right? And so I started thinking about, I was talking to Greg, I was like, I got to ask Greg, is there a 2% skill that he wishes he had? Like a skill where if you're in a room with a thousand people, maybe, you know, 20 people can do that and, and do it very well. Maybe even a 1%, maybe it should be called a 1% skill where only 1% of the population can do that really well. Is there a, is there a skill that you would like to be able to do very well? That's like a 2% skill. So I'm very well aware. I was thinking about this actually this weekend. I am very well aware that, and I've done stand up. I've done stand up comedy three times in my life. And uh, it is the scariest thing in the world. But making people laugh is a very unique skill set. And to make them laugh hard. Now, I can do it with accents and I can tell funny stories and those things. But to like sure. actually be consistently able to make people laugh is a very unique ability. And, it's, yes. and, and, not, and here's the thing. What's amazing about it is that, and I've watched this with comedians, people that are funny in one setting aren't funny in another setting. And you have to really be able to move your audience. So to be universally funny, I don't think there's any real comedian that's universally funny. Like people love Seinfeld, but I don't think he's universally funny. There's lots of people who don't think he's funny. Yeah, no, no, not at all. And, and I think it's, it's, it's to your point, it's the situation you're in. But even, even that, like the ability to hold an audience, like not saying music, musicians aren't talented. One of mine skills would be I would love to be able to be so good at an instrument that people almost forget you're there and it's just like they just hear like just the instrument because it's like how well you play but a comedian all they got is their voice and you have to paint a picture for people that makes them laugh is seems just mind-blowing it's, to me. it's timing and it's also Here's the thing. Once it's out there, you can't say it again. So here's just one last funny thing about making people laugh that you it's surprising every time it happens. It is really a really good. I heard Michael Chase. It's a very good magic trick. The I was working out on Friday with a guy, you know, a trainer that you're very well aware of who they they like. He likes kind of the busting your chops type comedy. And we were talking about things. And I, at some point I said, yeah, I mean, I know Daniel's. You know, we were talking about that's his name, Daniel. It was saying that he's, you know, he's working on his his you know future being the sex symbol for hobbits because you know he's short and whatever. But like, and it was really cruel in my mind, and I wasn't normally going to say it, but in the context of working out, and it's like uh, you know busting chop because you're working out lifting weights, and he's just sitting there. The idea that you could see him actually being a poster on like, uh, and you brought up Lord of the Rings, seeing him as a sex symbol poster is hilarious. But that joke doesn't work with any. I mean, anybody listening to this podcast has no idea what we're talking. No, about. they're not going to get it. They're not going to get it all. But I know, and I'm like, that's funny. But that and joke, <laughs> when it hit and it landed, was hilarious. And and you want to to I think the balance of that two percent skill or one percent skill is 
one, you have to be that funny all the time, which I'm definitely not. Mm -hmm. And two, you have to recognize that you're not going to get that laugh again. It's in the bottle. It's stuck. You, 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 you put it out in the world. It's done. You can't make that joke again. And that feeling of getting that, I mean, cause the other guy I work out with Charlie just busted up laughing. It was just like, he couldn't do his workout cause he's just rolling on the floor. Yeah. That's a, um, that's an endorphin hit. Like that's a, that's a, that's a good feeling when you, yeah. you make people laugh like that. Yeah. But you're not going to get it again. And I don't have that in me. It's, it's not part of my nature that I have to get that, that adrenaline junkie hit again. But it's just one of those things where you recognize that that skill also comes with some liabilities, but it was hilarious. It was that moment. If yes. I could be that funny, then I, yeah, I mean, but again, yeah. it's also perception, right? I, th I say that in my mind and go, yeah, but I've seen, I've seen guys who do comedy. I've been in rooms with guys who do stand up comedy professionally and they're not that funny until you go on stage. All of a sudden the nerves hit and all the jokes go and you're like, whoa, like that guy's yes. hilarious all the way through. Yes. And it's just, there's people that are naturally funny but if you were to put them on a stage, they would lose all of their mojo. And there's those who are really funny on stage that if you saw them off stage, they're not funny at all. So, yeah. And you, and you can usually spot, like you can spot that style of person when you're in a group and like that, that person who just all they'll say, they'll, they'll, they'll have a quick response to something like, Oh man, I wish I was that quick. Like there's, like, yeah. how did you come up with that? Like that's another skill in and of itself is the ability to process something really quickly. And then like, turn it it's like funny and you're like man that was hilarious yeah, yeah like so and some people have different styles like my buddy brian's real quick but he's got like dad joke quick so like he's got sure. good, he's very he's very punny right so his jokes are really quick on the puns because he just plays in the pun world whereas over thanksgiving i was i was over at somebody's house and there was kids running around and one of the kids wanted to run upstairs and and the dad's like what well, hey hey what are you doing why are you going why are you going upstairs? And she's like, I need to get a coin for a magic trick. He goes, Hey, I got a magic trick. Why don't you go back in that room and disappear? And I went genius, like absolutely genius. And I was like, Whoa, I mean, anybody listening is going to think that's cruel, but that's just that culture of that family. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. bus chop. But, but, humor. Like, but was, like, but like to be able to do that, like to do that with your kids and everything else to just have those conversations and just yeah. be always on like that. Yeah. He looks at me in a straight face and he goes, you know, I made a mistake with this house. I said, what's that? He goes, I put, I put doors on that room. And I went, what? He goes, yeah, I should just put solid walls and they wouldn't come out. I went, whoa, like just, just the idea that like, oh, brutal. oh but, but it was oh, all the way man. through the grandfather, sure. the grandfather has a little bit of a misogynistic sense of humor. And so mm -hmm. like one of the ladies, uh, one of the sisters of, of the dad or whatever, like he, she said something like, there's a lot of really amazing women around this table and the grandfather not missing a beat goes, I don't see so well. So, you know, oh and I went, God. I went, Whoa, like just like, but he was so quick and so fast and so like out the gate. I, like that's all it was for, for, for a whole straight day. That's all I heard was those kind of, that kind of humor. Like that's that, not that my style. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that level of wittiness and just like being able to come back with those things is just is just uh, yeah. Just nuts, it's a so. it's a skill. I don't. I could tell a story. I don't have the skill to be able to be that fast, that witty, that quick. And it would be something I think a lot of uh, most people don't. I mean, if you watch people who dads are famous for this, messing with a waitress or waiter and telling jokes, and you're like, but my dad's quick. I mean, last joke of my dad, we were at the the Mint Museum, which is the name of the art museum here in Charlotte. And my dad gets the sticker. The guy put a sticker on your shirt. My dad immediately turned to the lady and went, can I have a different flavor? 
because it said mint. And he's like, and I went, what? Like, what? But that's, that's a dad joke, right? That's my dad's yeah, joke. Like yeah. my dad, my yes. dad is just that way. So you think about those things. That's funny. The wittiness to be consistently witty and not having too many duds would be an amazing skill set. That's good. I, you know, I thought about it. Mine landed somewhere on instruments, like playing a really complicated instrument. But then I was like, but I wouldn't get, but this is where it got back to me. It's like the skill is for you. So then I was like, what would be something interesting? You know, like what would I want to do? And I don't know, mine's lame. I would really like to be able, I would like to be able to sing very well, like really well sing it. Cause I'm tone deaf, like it's it, very tone deaf. And I think for me, what would be fun about that is one, it's just, it'd just be fun to be able to sing. But also like if you could sing really, really well from, from that standpoint is like, that could be really cool. Like entertaining as well. You know? So that was, that was but, mine. But Ross, lame, you don't like, but, you know, but, but Ross, here's the, here's the part that I have. One, you, the music you listen to, the majority of music you listen to, you don't actually have to be a great singer for it's a lot more yelling and, yeah, and stuff. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we could. Well, I mean, we'll oh, well, there's, ba- there's bands like Disturbed where the guy can really sing, but then then on the record, it doesn't necessarily sound that way. But the other part is, you could get in your car, turn the music up loud, and do do carpool karaoke with yourself and have a great time. You don't strike me as the guy who wants to get up in front of a bunch of people and do karaoke all the time. I don't know if I knew I could confidently sing really well and I could sing better than ninety nine percent of the people in the room. I'd probably do it, but because, but the le- because but, but, well, but that's part of but that because that's part of the anxiousness, right? Like that's part of the anxiousness of people judging you and you know either misrepresenting you for doing something or for you messing something up. If I knew that I could do that better than ninety nine percent of the people there, then it kind of flips it into I'm bringing joy to those people, right? Like they're enjoying hearing that. But then, then use the Mark Man, use the Mark Manson argument. Is it the bringing joy to other people, not necessarily the singing part? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, I mean, if I like I said, if I if when they when they ask you what would your superpower be, my superpower would absolutely be I could make some I could make anyone laugh, like yeah. actual yeah. make them laugh, right? Like that would. Well, be, you make me laugh all the, the time. That'd like, be the you best make me laugh to, all well, the time. That that that's true, but we've got video on, so people laugh when they look at me all the time. So it's, it's a little bit different. That's not it. You are genuinely funny. Morning. Like you are genuinely funny, and you're quick. I mean the the you know. So I think you are genuinely funny. It's just interesting that perspective of having those skills. I think I think the challenge that both of you have is that there isn't a whole lot of arrogance to our personality. There isn't a whole lot of no. narcissistic tendencies to want to be, you know, loved and adored by everybody. I think we want to be loved. Yeah, and adored I wouldn't. By I would never want to be famous. Yeah, I would never want to be famous. I, I think it would be absolutely miserable to be to be like super yeah. famous because privacy and then just having to be like always on and everything else. I think it would be it would be absolutely miserable. But uh, but yeah, so I think I think as we go on, if if we think of any other like if you're if you're if you're you know, observing things and you're going, Ooh, that'd be an interesting 2% skill. You know, that's i uh, I'm going <laughs> to coin it that. And then I'm going to write a book, you know, I'll, I'll write a book called to the 2% skills and all the psychology uh, behind it. You know, most, they call that the Guinness book of world records, dude. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> no, well, okay. No, 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 no. Because, because there are some things that you're, that people are willing to do, like run a marathon backwards, which 
takes skill, but it also takes more creativity. Like, hmm, but now let's do it holding an egg in a, <laughs> on a spoon. And I'm like, pretty soon it's it's no longer the Guinness Book of World Records. Like, I we should we should go through and just like go through and find the most absurd Guinness Book things and just be like, oh, okay, so all I have to do is while holding a rubber band. You know, and then I have a new record. So yeah. See, I think I, I I think we're doing one of the few skills. I think we have a pretty organic podcast. There's a lot of podcasts out there, but I think we have a very organic podcast. I think funny funny enough, I do everything for a story. We've talked about this in previous ones. I think we're the type of people that if we really thought about it, it's not necessarily becoming an expert at the violin or the ukulele or the guitar. It's about the adventure of how bad we would be at the ukulele or guitar. Like that's more the fun oh, joy. Yeah. Like I was learning this song and like same with Portuguese. I laugh every time I learn a new phrase that has like, when am I going to use this ever? Right. But it, you're trying to learn the functions and that's the fun of doing whatever adventure. And I don't think either of us are perfectionist enough or looking for adoration enough that we would approach a skill from being, how do I become the one or 2%? I just think we like similar things and the making people laugh thing is a big part of kind of our personality. It's what we like doing. Yeah. We like to make people laugh. Yeah. So in different types of crowds, right? Yep. Yours is gone. I'm going to go be, meet a bunch of people on a cruise ship that I've never met. And I'm like, that sounds horrible. I'll go talk to five people I know really well. So, but yeah. both of, both of which could end in the same result of, of having a good time and laughing. So, yeah. all right, Greg, well, we're, we're going to have to keep tabs on our uh, new year's intentions and see how they go. Um, and then when you talk about your trip to Carnival, um, <laughs> oh, we'll I'm going to Carnival we'll now. That's what I'm doing yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll know you've made it. Like There's the, a picture Greg of me in some uh, taking hostage in some favelas. Yep, that's what happens to Greg when he learns Portuguese. He goes and gets lost in the favelas. Yep, and all, all he kept telling him was, I only know a little bit of Italian. I only know a little bit of Italian. Nos nos falamos italiano, no. Yeah, right? That's his way of saying, please don't murder me. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you don't even want to know. keep track. You don't even want to know the words I learned yesterday watching Superbad, dude. I know some words now that I'm just I'm just like, whoa, that's what that is? That's That's crazy. I don't know if make it better or worse if you get kidnapped at carnival during carnival. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Greg. Well, hey, it was great catching up. Uh, happy New Year once again. And until next time, see ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to Unmotivated and Unprepared. Join us again next time as we continue to meander through random topics at a pace defined by our mood, the weather, and what happened five minutes earlier.